you, worship team. And uh, great to be here with you this morning. I'd like to open up 1 Peter 1 and read with you verses 1 through 6 as we get started here. And may the word of God sink into our hearts even as we read. 1 Peter 1, 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Why don't you pray with me as we get started here. <clears throat> Father God, I thank you for the truth of your word that changes our heart and our life and guides us in our thinking. And I just ask your blessing today as we look at the, your amazing promises to us and your great gifts in the middle of a life that can sometimes be tough. We just pray that your name will be glorified and you'd watch over my lips, open the ears of the hearers to receive exactly what you want them to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. As our senior pastor, Jeff Krotz, and I looked at this date, he asked me if I would preach. He is uh, at uh, biblical counseling training with uh, Nuthetic Counseling, something we should all, even our brothers and sisters in the Lord, be trying to grow in that area as we try to counsel each other biblically through the many trials of life. And we talked about different things I could preach on, whether to continue in the Sermon on the Mount, or whether to find a new passage, or something I was teaching the kids, or even mentioned, uh, just Nate, you should just maybe just tell people about some of the, the issues, stress, and grief that has been in your life in recent years. And so I've, I've chosen a passage of 1 Peter that we've been teaching the kids in chapel here at school, and, uh, but it brings up all those issues. And uh, so we'll link all those together as we go here. Uh, many of you have been close enough to the family situation to know that about five years ago, uh, my brother and wife lost their three girls in an airplane crash. And then this most recent year, uh, in February, we, uh, our elementary principal, Karen Byers, went to be with the Lord. And in June... Our lunch coordinator of 20 years, Lorena Frost, went to be with the Lord. Uh, many of you have heard that my sister's husband, Rob Smithwick, uh, the son of the founder of this church, uh, went to be with the Lord when he drowned in the Kenai River July 21st. And his body was found on Labor Day, and we had his funeral, his celebration of life, uh, last Sunday. So there's been a lot of grief in our family and yet we have also seen much joy and much goodness. And in fact, probably not much different than many families have experienced or will experience as life unfolds. The Christian walk is filled with goodness and joy. Jesus came that we might have abundant life and live it to the full, and we do. And yet because of this sinful earth and where we are, there will also be much grief. So as we preach through First Peter, I think you'll see those themes coming out and just wanted to thank you all for your prayers for our family and, uh, and also for the many others grieving. It's been a, a very tumultuous summer for Alaskans in general, as you well know. Let's take a look at this passage as we get into God's word. His truth is amazing. It starts off, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And I want to stop right there and talk just a little bit about the author. Who is the author? It's Peter the disciple, the one we, many of you, identify with closely because he's just like you, just like me, rash, has all the answers, 
wants to follow closely and loyalty, loyally, and yet makes mistakes and blunders all the way through, even though he's walking daily and talking with Jesus. With his brother Andrew, <clears throat> Peter was first called to follow Jesus in Matthew 4, when Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. He had his mother-in-law healed in Matthew 8. There's some grief and joy in the same sentence. He was actually there a witness of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which Pastor Jeff has been taking us through in Matthew 5-7, through 7, an eyewitness account. He walked on water in Matthew 14 and sank into the stormy seas. Matthew 16, he was the first to confess, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And immediately had Jesus say to him, Simon, you shall now be called Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So when we listen to what he's writing here with the authority of Jesus Christ behind it, we, our heart leaps in anticipation of what he's going to say. Immediately after that, Jesus said, and I will suffer and die. Peter rashly said, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me because you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's. He was one of the three disciples who saw Jesus transfigured and glorified on the high mountain with James and John, immediately had the solution to make three tabernacles here for you, Lord. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Didn't actually carry out that plan, but it was a good idea. Matthew 26, Jesus says very sincerely to Jesus, I will never fall away. And within hours, denied Jesus publicly three times. Later on, or about the same time, John 13 says, Peter says, Never shall you wash my feet, Lord. And then when gently reprimanded, said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. In his uh, quest to support man's interests and not God's, he cut off the ear of the slave of the high priest to protect Jesus, and then fearfully followed at a distance, and we know later denied he ever knew Jesus. John 20 says, he ran to the tomb and entered the tomb, only to find it empty. Praise the Lord. That should be your life verse. Should be my life verse. Empty tomb. In response to later, in response to Jesus piercing questions three times, Peter, do you love me? He kept repeating, Lord, you know that I love you. And yet with all of that going on in Peter, we see that as Jesus leaves him, he is broken. He is later filled with the Holy Spirit preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost in which 3,000 souls were saved in Acts 2, used by God to heal the lame beggar in Acts 3, arrested, there's some grief, and released, there's some joy, by the religious leaders in Acts 4. He witnessed the severe judgment of death on the dishonesty of Ananias and Sapphira. A grief that must have been for this early pastor to see his two people he loved. He was arrested and jailed by the temple guard in Acts 5, but released by an angel of the Lord and commissioned, Peter, go your way, stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. So Peter did, stating to the authorities, we must obey God rather than men in Acts 5. After Herod arrested and killed his friend and fellow disciple James, what a grieving day that must have been. He noticed it pleased the Jewish leaders, so he then arrested Peter. Imagine the stress on Peter's life at this point. Bound him in chains. You're not going to get away this time, Peter. Put him between two soldiers and put four squads of soldiers outside the door to guard him. And though later Peter would be martyred, this was not his time. The angel of the Lord led his rescue and he walked out unharmed to continue proclaiming the life of Jesus Christ. So here in Peter, the author of this book, we see that Peter was a, started off as a 100% capable human leader, 
thought he could do everything in his own power, in his own wisdom, in his own time. Yet broken and humbled by his own attempts, fully and forgiven and restored by his master Jesus Christ, Peter finally bows the knee, is filled with the Holy Spirit, and spends the rest of his life preaching and writing accurately about a salvation that only comes through grace and is continued by grace. So let's listen well to his words as they are inspired by the Holy Spirit after Peter's been abiding for years in Christ. Look at the rest of verse 1 here. To those who reside as aliens scattered around. Are you an alien? What is an alien? The Greek word is peripitamos. It's a stranger, a sojourner, one who passes through a land. Well, this isn't new to God's people. In Genesis 12, God called, said to Abraham, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house. Leave everyone you know and love. And go to the land which I will show you. I haven't showed you yet. Just trust me on this one. And Hebrews 11 picks up the story. What did Abraham do? By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place where he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, because, catch this, is this how we go about our life as aliens? What was he doing? Hebrews 11. Abraham was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Isn't that a great attitude to go through this life, knowing we're just here for a moment? We're searching for the city, the heavenly city, whose builder and architect is God. How about Moses? Well, after a few years, 400 years, living as strangers and aliens in Egypt, he led them forward into a strange land where they wandered for another 40 years before finally reaching the promised land. How did Jesus instruct Christians when he left in Acts 1? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth, moving through this earth as aliens and strangers, spreading the good news. What is a Christian called by Christ? Well, in brief, we know it well, but Acts 16 says, You must believe in the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. Believe. Ephesians 2 says you can't believe unless you've been given the gift of faith. A gift from the Lord. We'll talk about that more later. And first, and Peter later, we don't quite get to this, this verse in our study here, but in verse 13 says, Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, this has nothing to do with any kind of good works, does it? Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought. I took a trip to Cambodia back in about March of this year, where I entered their land for the first time as a stranger and an alien. I know exactly what this meant, anyone who's, who's traveled. There were missionaries there who had been there for 15 years, some 20 years, some 30 years. Those missionaries had learned the language, the culture, they knew how to relate. They were still aliens. They had come from a different country. Their ancestors were from a different country. And even if they served there until they died, they would, most of them, likely be shipped back to the States and buried. Most of their children would not continue the ministry. They were a stranger and an alien in the land. And so it is with us as Christians. We are strangers and aliens in all of the world. We were born as natural-born citizens of planet Earth, and yet by God's divine calling has a spark of divinity, a spark of new life in us. Ephesians 2 says you are either dead or you're alive. All who are in Christ are new creatures, and yet we didn't see our hands change or our hair color. Everything stayed the same. So the Bible says that we are living in tents for a while, earthen vessels. And so we try to, our real self, 
tries to control these human bodies which are, have all these straying and different lusts and many griefs because of where we live. And he has called us. So interesting to note here, Peter is not saying, now try to be an alien. He's writing to you are an alien. It's a being. You are an alien. Later on in First Peter he talks about, we'll come to it close here, but act like an alien. Oh, really? Yeah, you are an alien. So he's saying, take on the new mind, renew your mind, capture every thought, and start acting like an alien. We'll see more of that here, but let's, let's get into this. This is awesome. Anyway, because we are aliens, we've been made alive together with Christ. We've been made into a new creature. This is why we set our affection on things above and not on things on the earth, from Colossians 3. And it's why we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, which Pastor Jeff just preached through in Sermon on the Mount. Let's look at verse 2, closing of verse 1 and verse 2. Who are chosen? You aliens, you have been chosen. Does that lift your spirits this morning? I hope so. You have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. What does this mean? Well, first of all, we are chosen. We are chosen by God, known before the foundation of the earth. Are you saved forever and you know it? It's because you've been chosen. This erases all smugness and all arrogance, doesn't it? It was not my doing. I didn't say yes at the right time. I was chosen by God before the foundation of the world. Wow. By, how did he do it? By the sanctifying work of the Spirit. That was an interesting phrase to me. I looked that up in the Greek, and interesting to note it has two different meanings. Hagiosmos, this is from uh, the Greek scholar Zodiades. This is not only the activity of the Holy Spirit to set man apart unto salvation. So you were made alive. The Holy Spirit reached down, chosen by God. He touched your life, and you were made instantly alive. You were a new creature. That's part of what sanctifying means. But it also enables the alien to be holy, even as God is holy. So it's not only the transfer of a sinner into the ranks of the redeemed, but the change in the character of the redeemed sinner to be holy, even as God is holy, over time. So these two powerful images plucked out and chosen and then molded and shaped and conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's doing it today on you and on me. He did it yesterday. He'll do it tomorrow. Wow. So that we might obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. First, I'd like to note uh, the Trinity in this one verse, too. Can you see it? God the Father, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ. Gives us some, Peter giving us insight into the roles of the different pieces of the Godhead, and yet one God. Obey what? To obey Jesus Christ. Matthew 28 in the Great Commission says we should be teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded. We don't have quite have enough time this morning, although we could go for a while on that. But I would like to draw your attention to a couple different areas. First and foremost, John 14, 1 says, here's how you obey God. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus' own words. How do we obey Jesus? We believe in God. We believe in Jesus. In John 11, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live not who does all the right things. He who believes in me shall live, just like that, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asked his audience, and he asks you and me this morning. Another great umbrella of Jesus' commands, the, the Pharisee asked, which are the greatest commands? Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. 
and most of everything else he said is couched under those two, even though we should continue to study all the commands of Jesus. 1 John 3.16 says this, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for each other. Love the Lord and love God. So when this verse says, You've been sanctified uh, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ, to love God, to believe in Him, to love God, to love others. Wow. And be sprinkled with His blood. What in the world does this mean? Well, it's all through the Old Testament. If you want to go to the New Testament, uh, read the book of Hebrews. It's all on these final sacrifices, how Moses and Abraham and the temples and the sacrifices and Jesus all fit together. That's orchestrated and a beautiful tapestry in Hebrews. But basically, uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So this is the peace that Jesus played for us as his blood was shed. He was the final sacrifice. In fact, Hebrews 10 says it this way, For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. You know, jump around a little bit on that one? Let me read that again. I think you're falling asleep. For by one offering, God has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. So let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So Peter is packing a lot in here when he says to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled by his blood. Isn't that great? And his conclusion, may grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. Interesting to note, almost every disciple who wrote something opened his letter this way. Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace be yours in fullest measure, Peter says here. As we look through the ages of time in the last 2,000 years, this is, these are, the characteristic trademarks of Christians throughout the ages. An inhuman, alien, ever-increasing grace and peace. Understanding what God has done so you have peace with God. Grace for those who offend you throughout life and an easy way to forgive. A lack of anxiety in your life, no matter how stressful the situation is. Okay, we're all feeling a little guilty right now. We are living in human tents that have been trained by sin. So we all have different personalities, and some of you are worriers and frantic and anxious. Raise your hand if you want to. Your family will raise it for you if you are. Others of us have very much difficulty with injustices. And yet by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, He is shaving this off of us, and we renew our mind when we get stressed out. Even go to the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be. Focus on God, the Godhead, what He's done for you, the peace He's given you, the grace, the forgiveness He's given you, allows you to forgive others. And we capture those thoughts, 2 Corinthians tells us, Make them obedient to Christ. Because we're aliens. We're aliens living in an earthly body. And our earthly body is doing its own thing. But here is what Peter's prayer for us after his long walk with Christ. <laughs> was, did, was he always uh, emitting grace and peace as he walked with Christ? No, he was fixing it. He was so mad at the Lord that he wasn't going to take over the Romans. He had his mind on God's, on man's interests, not God's interests. So may that be our prayer this morning as we may grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. And now we, all we can say is, wow, praise the Lord, that's awesome. Look what he's done, he's chosen us, he's filled us, he's given us grace and peace. So how does Peter go now? He goes, oh, he's saying the same thing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So if you've been born again this morning, 
Then all thanks and glory and honor and praise be to God, our Father, who caused us. He caused you. You didn't cause yourself. You didn't say yes at just the right time. The Bible says He gave you the gift of faith, which allowed you to believe, which allowed you to be sprinkled by the blood of Christ. And now you fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. And we, before we were saved, my uncle pastor down in Soldatna, Larry Huntsberger says, before we were saved, we said, we thought, I, th- I think I should be good. And after we're saved, we say, I wish I could be good. Isn't that great? It's not the guilt and the shame anymore. Fix your hope completely on the grace. As the popular lyrics go, may my life song sing to you. Or as John says in Revelation 5, all of heaven and earth above and below sang out on and on and on. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Anything else? To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. It is finished. He is worthy. And if you are not sure that you've been born again or you are praying for a family member or friend, the way God's taught me to pray for this is, is theologically is I pray that they will receive the gift of faith. I could sit down and talk to my, those I love who are not saved and say, can't you just believe? I believe. Won't you believe? I can't believe. And they could say, well, okay, I believe. Hey, are you off my back? It doesn't help anything. They can't believe. It is impossible for your loved ones to believe. Until they receive the gift of faith from the Father who is calling them, offering it to them, they're stiff-arming it, so our prayer for them that their eyes would be opened and that they would take that gift of faith and then it's boom. They're an alien, just like that. (laughs) So we beg God to choose them, to choose you if you are wondering, to give you a living hope, to have mercy on you as sinner, to find those lost sheep, to open your eyes. It's not a matter of when people, you or myself, are good and ready. Okay, you either believe or you don't believe. You're either dead or alive. Look at verse 4. What's the result of this? To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That make you click your heels? Whew! That is awesome. What's an inheritance? It's all the riches and wealth given to you when another one dies. When Jesus Christ died and he was risen from the dead, immense amounts of eternal wealth and riches that we can't even comprehend are given to you as inheritance. As we read through Scripture, we find out some things are going on in heaven, and they're enough, ma- enough to make me want to be there, but way beyond that we can even imagine is waiting. Peter opens his next book with this phrase, You have been given everything pertaining to life. And godliness. Wow! What does imperishable mean? Well, it means it's not going to rot. Actually, the Greek is much stronger than that. Aphthartos means not capable of corruption. It's not like it's going to last a long time and maybe you won't get corrupt or not. It's not capable of corruption. It's an attribute of deity, of immortality. It's exempt from wear, waste, and the final perishing which characterize the present body of man and really everything on earth that we know perishes. And yet this inheritance he gives to us is imperishable. It is undefiled. It's unpolluted. It's pure. And it's reserved in heaven for you. Well, as I was trying to explain this to students, students, I see a few of you out there, you're getting this twice. Hopefully you're really picking up on some stuff here. Explaining this to students, what does this mean, reserved in heaven for you? Well, the best thing I could come up with, it was a huge UPS package that arrives at your house about a month before Christmas, <laughs> sits there right in the living room, and your parents write on it, Dallin, Mariner, 
put it under the Christmas tree. It's like, oh, what's, I gotta wait. I gotta wait. What's in it? What's in it? It's reserved in heaven for you. It's there. It's under the tree. Your inheritance is in heaven waiting for you. All done. It's finished. It's waiting there for you. Isn't that cool? It is reserved in heaven for you. For who? Who are protected. All of those who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What do you think it means to be protected by God? I'm feeling pretty protected right now. (laughs) The greatest one, the greatest being, immortal, invisible, all-powerful, creator of the universe and way beyond, protects you. Your inheritance is in heaven. It's been reserved for you. And he is protecting you. Reminds me of Jesus' prayer in the final chapters, John 17, I think, where he prays, Lord, let none of these be lost. If these belong to me, I will not lose one. You are protected, reserved in heaven. Protected by the power of God through faith, that gift he gives us, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We experience it now but even more to be revealed in the last time. Wow. Verse 6 says, In this you greatly rejoice. Now, hopefully, if, you're, if you've been hearing Peter's words here from the Word of God, you're rejoicing right now. Life is good, and yet we talked about this life having grief in the middle of it. In the middle of that grief, there's abundant life. There's great triumphs and victories and joys, and yet it's filled with grief, too. And how does Peter address this, because right now it's all sounding pretty good to me. Unless we embrace a false gospel and preach out of context that this means God is protecting us on earth, well, we can read the whole rest of Peter, because that's what that's about, or we can just look at the very next sentence, the very next phrase, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. To the apostles and disciples, how long was a little while? Oh, probably about the rest of their life. (laughs) If you were imprisoned in a communist country for your faith in Jesus Christ, how long is a little while? Three years, 43 years, we hear stories. Beaten, imprisoned, away from their families. See, Peter and the others have this great concept of eternity that Jesus actually meant what he said when he said, if you believe in me, I will give you eternal life. So they call this time on earth a little while. 70 years, 80 years, 90 years. Because why? We're aliens. We're on earth for a little bit. We go through our joys and trials, all shaping and molding us, impacting each other for the great glory that's yet to come. In fact, uh, these trials are nothing to be compared to the incredible glories to come, the Bible says in another place. So does God really expect me to rejoice in trials? Well, as my runners have heard often from me, from James 1, consider it all joy, my runners, when you encounter trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. Or how about Romans 5, 3 that says, We also exult in our tribulations, Paul tells us. Really? Exult in our tribulations? Or listen to Peter, just a couple chapters later, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Don't be surprised. Expect it. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, 
you may rejoice with great exaltation. So the Spirit, because He fills us with grace and peace, allows us great joy in our walk. And yet, the Bible often teaches us to don't expect great joy all the time. In fact, the reason we have been... Uh, we enjoy such great freedoms here in America is because God has answered the prayer of our founding fathers and some of you who have asked the government to be a good government so that we can freely worship. And yet, as we grow up in America, we start either preach directly from some pulpits or an indirect novice that if we obey God and everything, our life will be sweet and rosy with no pain. And as we read scripture time after time, it's exactly the opposite. So we jump to God's word and make that the core of our being. And again, renew our thinking. Why is this life so rough? Well, because we're all natural-born citizens. Christians have a spark, a creation, creative new life. They're going to live forever. So they become aliens. But there is sin that besets us. There is sickness. There is dying every day. Sometimes it hits your family you go a season without it, but it will be there again. There is persecution, which is, we don't want to get Peter wrong here, most of First Peter is about persecution. We don't experience that in America very much. Because God has blessed our government. But it may be again someday. So great amounts of pain, great amounts of joy in this life. Let's look at some take-home points here as we've gone through these six powerful verses. Take-home point one, the most important thing this morning that we can consider. Has God caused you to be born again? It's not something you can cause on your own. Say the right prayer at the right time. You either believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, and your inheritance is reserved in heaven for you forever, can never be taken away, or you don't believe you're either dead or you're alive. So as we prayerfully consider, think of some of these questions. Are you fixing your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ? Do you yearn to obey Jesus, as Peter said in verse 2? None of us perfectly can do that. We stumble and fall, but do we hate our sin? And you're discouraged when you sin again? a good indication that you are saved because natural born citizens of this earth sin recklessly and it doesn't other than God's conscience in them it does not really bother them and they do it again if you're struggling with your sin that's good news you yearn to obey Jesus first Peter 2 2 just the next chapter says we ought to be longing for the pure milk of the word only an alien would have any desire to read God's word there's nothing in it for a natural born citizen except for the tugging of God's spirit to lead him into God's word so he can give him the gift of faith. But if you yearn to read God's word and you miss it when you don't get time with him, it's a great indication. Do you experience inhuman, alien levels of grace and peace like only an alien can feel? In the middle of your joys, in the middle of your trials, you have a strong, steady presence for the presence of the Lord in you. And we talked about this, so don't freak out if you're stressed out a lot. You're constantly, you want to be filled with His grace and peace, and you're going to the right sources for that, God's Word and prayer. You know, if, we st- if you're having trouble with peace with your situation, study God's Word, study the promises of God's Word, and He'll give you that calming. Philippians 4, 6 says, The peace that passes all human understanding. Because humans can't understand it. It's beyond what we can muster up or get counseled for. Or it's the Spirit. It's the sanctifying work of the Spirit. If you are sure that you are alive in Christ, then keep digging into God's Word and let His voice of truth permeate and correct as you battle with your human mind and capture every thought The way we do that is by God's word, not by good things to say. Go to God's word, word by word. In a couple of weeks, uh, Pastor Jeff will teach us more about this. If you remember, the last paragraph of the Sermon on the Mount is about how we have a strong foundation. We just sang about it up here. 
How do, what's our strong foundation? It's obeying the word of Christ. So more of that coming up here in a couple weeks, Pastor Jeff. Take home point number two. Christian, you are an alien. Face it. Look yourself in the mirror. Call it for what it is. You are an alien. And the rest of God's word is calling us to act like aliens. Again, it's back to the sanctifying work. He has redeemed you as a sinner. He's given you new life. So if you don't have that, it might make your life a little better trying to copycat Christians and do, do some good stuff, but it has nothing, there's nothing reserved in heaven for you unless you're an alien. So you're an alien and a stranger in this world, so act like one in these powerful scriptures. Obey Jesus Christ from verse 2, so we love God and we love people. And then this powerful passage from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Why not? Because aliens don't do that. <laughs> the mothership is coming back. <laughs> your, your whole life, your whole existence, your entire future exists somewhere else. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your treasure is on this earth, whatever that means to you, there's lots of different treasures man has, then life will be stressful and you will not experience a lot of peace or grace because you're clinging and holding. And But when all that goes away and you realize, ha, ah, I'm just here for like another minute or maybe 70 years. And then I'm home forever. I think I want to set some treasures up there. It changes our perspective. Listen to Peter again. Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. You are holy, so now be holy in your behavior too. It's not going to be perfect. Today might, tomorrow might be a little better. Jesus is working on you. But because you're holy, act like you're holy. And finally, 1 Peter 2, he says this, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers. It's almost like a theme in 1 Peter. Listen to what he says. To abstain from fleshly lusts. Why? They wage war against the soul. Your soul has been created anew. It's a new creature. It's waging war against the members of your body which you'll one day, as soon as you're not an alien anymore, you've got a new body and away you go. But for a while, we're in this tension with our own earthly body. Take home point number three, our last one. Your heavenly life is forever protected by the power of God. Enjoy it, exult in it, and if that doesn't give you grace, grace and peace, just meditate on it for a little bit longer. It's done. It's finished. And then kind of the theme of the day today. However, expect your earthly life to be filled with suffering. According to God's will for his ultimate glory. First Peter 4, a couple chapters later. Peter says this, Therefore, let those also who suffer according to God's will. Really? It's according to his will that we suffer? Yes. Let those also who suffer according to the will of God... Do just like Jesus did. Entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Does that sound like Hebrews 12? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Well, that's easy for Jesus to say because he knew he was just here for like 33 years. He had a whole bunch of pain and suffering and then he was going to be with the Father forever. Just like you. You're here for a few short years. Lots of suffering for a little bit. And then with, you're with the Father forever. Gives me great perspective. We are surrounded by a sinful self and a sinful people, sickness and death and persecution. There will be much pain in our earthly life. But we have an imperishable inheritance reserved in heaven for us. Through all the suffering, we can still live life to the full. It's a great adventure. And I hope nothing I said this morning led you to believe otherwise. 
My life is a great adventure filled with incredible blessing, many of whom are sitting right in front of me. Great victories, and yet we know by experience, most importantly we know by God's word, that there will be seasons of great suffering in your life. We turn our eyes to the Lord, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Let me close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word that helps us through rough times. We have no perspective. We guess at your intent until we read your word. We have no idea what you're thinking until we read your word or how, we should re- how I should react in this situation until I read your word. May we long for the pure milk of the word. Father, I just pray for anyone here right now in a season of suffering that they would turn their eyes on you find great grace and peace beyond all human understanding. And for the ones whose season starts tomorrow, we thank you that you will be with them. You will walk with them through the valley of the shadow of death as you promised. And Lord, we thank you that much of our life is so filled with blessing and we recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Nate. <clears throat> For those of us that, uh, that know the Davis family, we love and appreciate them. We appreciate uh, Nate Davis as, as one of our associate pastors. Thank you for rightly dividing the word and encouraging us today uh, with uh, all of your thoughts not only being rooted in the word of God and placed on that foundation but I believe without a doubt filtered through your heart and mind and your experience. Thank you for sharing this with us today. Pastor Nate not only is associate pastor of the Anchorage Grace Church, but his field of ministry is to provide leadership and direction and uh, oversight for the, uh, our greatest and our, our strongest, I'm sorry, our largest ministry, Grace Christian School. And so not only is he associate pastor for the church, but he is uh, the superintendent over the Grace Christian Schools. And uh, we want to congratulate uh, Pastor Nate, uh, Mr. Mr. Davis, as they know him at the other end of the building, but also Tara Edwards. Uh, As I understand, uh, we had another great day when it comes to athletic events and that the Grace Grizzlies cross-country team, both men and women, uh, that they won the state championships yesterday. And these are our two coaches, Nate Davis and Tara Edwards. Let's express our appreciation, our support. Congratulations to those of you that ran the race and ran well. We're, we are proud of you, uh, proud of the way you compete, and proud of the way you love the Lord, even with your bodies. And so let me uh, just uh, make two or three announcements. Let's be in prayer for Pastor Jeff and Judy as they're down in uh, Indiana uh, receiving some training this week. And they'll they'll come back to us refreshed and and excited. And thank you, Pastor Davis, for standing in today. Uh, Some of us are just now getting ready to open up our calendars and, and adjust our clocks to the month of October. But we need to be thinking about the month of November and the coming of Thanksgiving. Every day is a day of Thanksgiving for us. But there is a special time of the year when we really, as a country, pause to say thanks. And it's also an opportunity for us to share, share with those who are in need and those that, uh, that um, have nothing. And so uh, week after week, Rich Klein, Wanda, and those uh, that are so faithful remind us of an opportunity to minister uh, to the, our neighbors and uh, to some of our friends up in the Mountain View area. Uh, Thanksgiving blessing. Uh, will not happen on uh, November the 22nd if we don't give sacrificially and if we don't support. So uh, Rich will be over here to talk to you about how you can volunteer, how you can give. We need, we need 1,400 packages and boxes of, of stuffing mix in order to be able to help the people. But we also need financial contributions uh, so that, uh, that we will be able to bless the people of the Mountain View area. So uh, stop by, visit with him the next few weeks, but please don't wait till November the 22nd. Uh, let's go ahead and start bringing that stuffing. Let's go ahead and make those checks, and let's go ahead and sign up to volunteer to work on that special Sunday. Tonight, as uh, Mike already alluded, we're going to have a great hymn sing. Uh, I saw the hymnals. We are actually going to sing out of hymnals tonight. Uh, And come and join us in the uh, worship center for this hymn sing and pie social. Now, that requires two things. One, you show up 
with a willing heart, but you also bring your favorite pie. And so stop and buy one, or better yet, go home and bake one. Bring it back this evening. We'll be meeting in the, in the chapel from 6 until about 7, 7.30, and we'll have a time of fellowship. And finally, for those of you that have been around Alaska for a while, uh, and I'm getting there, but uh, uh, for those of you that have learned to appreciate October the 7th, that's PFD Day. PFD. I won't go into all the details. Uh, Pastor Jeff's still trying to figure out what those letters stand for because he is not going to get one this year, but he is certainly looking forward to the sharing of the riches of this land. Let me just encourage you that uh, as you receive your deposit from the state of Alaska, a gift from God, uh, that you sit down with your family on Thursday night and that you uh, have a, a day of thanksgiving for what God has, has given to you. And uh, why don't you share with your family and say, how can we share this for, for God's work and for his, his kingdom? And let me just encourage you to consider that we are making some needed, uh, for some of us, but we believe, long overdue renovations to this worship center. And it's going, to be, it's going to be a costly venture by the time we get all completely finished. The good news is the Lord's going to provide. Uh, we're just not sure yet how much or by whom. Ask your children and your wife and your husband uh, to pray about this, this this coming week and in the weeks to come about how he will use you uh, that we might all together uh, bring this to fruition. Uh, there's information about the renovation uh, on the uh, information table. I'll be glad to visit with you. As many of the members of the praise team are a part of this, the elders, we'll be glad to share with you the details of this. But be praying about how you can give sacrificially. Let's stand as we're dismissed in prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll enjoy the fellowship of the day. Please come by and give Nate a, a word of encouragement as he shared with you. Their family has been through so much, but we are so thankful for how they have kept a positive attitude and kept a positive witness, and that even through the grief, the Davis family have, have blessed us. Heavenly Father, you're a great God, a wonderful God. You bless us every moment of our life. Life itself is a blessing from you. But Father, help us to look beyond the physical, the temporal. Help us to look beyond our circumstances and to see that we are spiritual beings. And Lord, some of us that are here today, walking with such a burden, thank you that even in burdens, we can praise you and that you are, are our source of strength, our source of peace, our source of healing our source of liberation and freedom, our source of holiness. So whatever our need might be today, whether it's physical, financial, emotional, spiritual, Father, we turn to you. We turn to you and we receive from you that which you have for us. Thank you for your word. Now, Father, as we go from this place, may we proclaim from the rooftops, from the mountaintops, from the streets of Anchorage to the workplace, may we proclaim Jesus is Lord. In his name we pray, amen.